0: Want. Not need. I don't need anything, Ray. If there's one thing you should know. About me, Ray. It's that I don't need anything. I want. listening to Lost in Twin Peaks, a podcast for both first-time and veteran viewers of Twin Peaks, the mystery series that ran for 2 seasons in the early 90s on ABC, followed by a feature film and 25 years later, a limited series on Showtime. And at the time of this recording, who knows what after that. If you're a new listener who has just discovered this podcast and wants to know more, check out episode 0 show format. This episode of season 3 was dubbed parts 1 and 2 aired as a 2-hour block. And uh, Showtime used lines from the episode as episode titles. So in this case, it was, My log has a message for you, and the stars turn, and a time presents itself. This episode is being published on the fifth anniversary of the day that this episode aired, or these episodes aired, on Showtime. And all summer long, I'm going to be keeping to that anniversary schedule. That's partly why I am actually... Releasing these initially made you know, when you're listening to it, you may see different dates if you're listening at a later time. But when I'm initially releasing these episodes to the public, I'm actually releasing them before I've published season two just because I wanted to hit those fifth anniversaries in time. So today, May 21st, five years since season three began. A few housekeeping notes on my season three coverage before it officially begins uh, these episodes were actually recorded, so all of Lost in Twin Peaks was recorded for patrons beforehand, but these ones were actually recorded before uh, I had the Lost in Twin Peaks concept. I was just doing a rewatch of Season 3 the summer after they aired. Uh, I've added some parts since then to make it match the format of Lost in Twin Peaks a little more, but uh, both because of that and also just because Season 3 itself is somewhat different from the original series, uh, there will be some differences in the overall structure, how the episodes are split up and so forth. There'll be more story episodes, I think. And um, some of the sections that are in the main Lost in Twin Peaks podcast for the original series won't be in this, but I've I've tried to kind of keep that format. And this, in a way, is what inspired the Lost in Twin Peaks format. So a lot of it is the same there. Also, this was very early in my recording stages. Some of the sound quality is... Uh, Well, actually, I discovered when I went back to the other Lost in Twin Peaks episodes, there were some issues with those as well. So I sort of muffled it a little bit so that there was less background noise. I'm not an audio expert at all. And uh, the filter I used to kind of get out the background sound, I didn't like the way it made other parts sound. So I'm mostly just going to leave it as is. Hopefully that's okay. There's a little bit of a uh, sort of um, hum, maybe. I don't know what you'd call it in the background. But uh, if it is an issue, let me know and I'll. Maybe go back and, and kind of fix up these episodes if you're listening to this on the first run. But uh, I think it's mostly listenable, so hopefully that's okay. It's a little more loose and off-the-cuff, um, fewer scripted sections, I think. But uh, overall, it's I think it still fits in with the series, so uh, I hope you uh, enjoy it. And also, as far as spoilers go, uh, there are no spoilers. This, is, this remains a spoiler-free podcast. Uh, that said... When it was originally recorded for patrons, it was actually the opposite. It was uh, my first discussion of the season three, knowing what was going to come. But I've carefully edited out any references to upcoming events. So if you're watching the show for the first time, listening along, you can definitely listen to this without fear. Going forward with the season three podcast is a bit of an experiment I've had trouble keeping up with uh, some of the Lost in Twin Peaks parts that I've done so far, Season 1 last fall, and firewalk with me these past couple weeks. So I can't guarantee that I will be able to see this through to the end of summer, uh, matching each episode anniversary, but that's the plan. So we'll see how it goes going forward. But for now, Season 3 will be appearing, coinciding with the 5th uh, anniversaries. And also, I should note, The Illustrated Companion usually comes out at the beginning of a week of episodes, That's the post on my site where I have tons of screenshots illustrating details of everything. That, with the first eight parts at least, is going to go up at the end of that week. So it's going to go up on the Saturday uh, after the Friday where they finish. So this podcast starts today, runs through Friday, and then a week from today, uh, May 28th in this case, that Illustrated Companion will go up. And that'll allow me more time to prepare it and have everything ready at the end of the podcast rather than the beginning. So just a quick update there. Also, um, I have one piece of work, uh, one podcast that I've released since the Fire Walk With Me stuff. That's my Twin Peaks Cinema episode on The Sweet Hereafter, where I talk about that 1997 film celebrating its 25th anniversary. I mentioned that on a previous Firewalk With Me podcast, but uh, since you know I, I didn't mention it at the outset in the update section, I'm going to mention that here. So check that out. Link will be in the show notes. enjoyed revisiting the premiere of season three tonight this was the first time i've watched any episodes on the blu-ray i've had the blu-ray for at this point five or six months i guess and i've watched a few of the special features i haven't watched most of them and haven't watched any of the episodes until now Uh, you know i rushed out to get it as soon as it came out but then i just never had really had time to to watch much of it so this was a real treat i think i've been watching a lot of various scenes from the return over the past few months Uh, just clips on my computer to help me with my character series that i'm very slowly chipping away at but that really feels like kind of you know dancing around the edges of, of this universe actually sitting down and watching an episode in high quality on my tv felt like a return to a place that i hadn't been in months i did a marathon of the return way back in october so, I guess, eight months ago now. And since then, I don't think I've watched a full episode. I've just, you know, looked at these various clips and scenes. So, so that was nice. You know, it felt like I've been away from this for a while. And uh, I, I know people have been talking about it. There have been theories posted. And even that, I've kind of been partaking in somewhat lightly. Like, maybe an average of an hour a week. I will I actually, I know exactly an average of an hour a week. Because I actually set aside an hour each week try and look up Twin Peaks pieces and I even haven't done that in about a month so really this was a refreshing return to this world I'm going to follow a particular format for the rewatch going forward and I'm going to just lay that out beforehand so you know what to expect first Laura Palmer's involvement with the episode when is she mentioned when does she show up and everything like that as is appropriate for a show which you know previously ended with Laura's photo under each uh credit sequence. I'm going to discuss the feel of the episode in question, how the vibe of it was, because these episodes vary, uh, I, I, I think even though Lynch described it as one long film beforehand, they actually do work as independent TV episodes that each have their own kind of mood and, and balance between different elements. I'm also going to discuss that overall structure, how they balance the different elements, and then I'm going to discuss story sections. Those will include random locations like New York. Just places that don't fit into the other categories. Then I'm going to discuss South Dakota. Then I will discuss Mr. C. Then we'll cover Las Vegas. Then I'm going to discuss Twin Peaks, the town. And I'm going to break that into various characters and storylines. Talking about each one that's dealt with in that episode. So I'm not discussing things chronologically. I'm going to discuss them thematically episode by episode. And then I'm going to discuss the spirit world mostly probably focused on red room stuff then we'll go a little deeper with the lodge lore, talk about all the mythology that's featured in the episode and various ideas and theories surrounding that i do feature uh historical context for these episodes which was interesting to do since this is these were aired much more recently but at this point now it's been five years and uh, with that water under the bridge we are looking at it different historical era in a lot of ways. So I talk about the news. I talk about the Time magazine cover, continuing that tradition from what I covered in the early 90s with uh, Lost in Twin Peaks. Now, that said, uh, I won't be doing TV context week to week. There's just way too much to cover at this point, Uh, all the cable channels and so forth. I won't be talking about ratings as much, except on this uh, first episode, I do a bit on production context and TV context uh, for all of the show, I'm covering it here, and then going forward as I cover parts three and four and five and six and so forth, I won't be doing that. But I will continue to do the news coverage week to week. I'll also be doing number one films uh, at the box office as well. So seeing what was on the big screen at this time, a little easier to track than what was on TV. I'm also going to provide a plausible order of events. The Twin Peaks uh, return chronology is kind of all over the place, like scenes take place Scenes appear in an episode uh, after scenes that are demonstrably before them chronologically. So it it gets really complicated. A while ago when I was preparing the character series last fall, I came up uh, with very large help from people who had already done a lot of the groundwork for this. But I came up with a plausible chronology or timeline of scenes. So I'm going to share that for each episode as well. Then I'm going to discuss the characters introduced in each episode. Probably just list them. I don't know how much we're going to go in depth with it. But the new characters introduced and the old characters reintroduced. Then, and this is going to be fun for all the sort of geeky Twin Peaks fans in the audience, of which I know I'm one, I'm going to rank the characters. And this I can do because I've prepared a lot of information for my character series that I'm writing, where I do entries on all of the characters who have more than 10 minutes of screen time. So I have all these stats organized, so I'm just going to draw upon them. I'm going to let you know the top 10 characters in, in each episode, which should be a lot of fun to do. Then, just for fun, we're going to talk about the coffee, pie, and donuts featured in each episode. You know, this the Returns sort of notoriously abandoned some of uh, the original series' mit- motifs, but you still they still pop up here and there, so we'll have a little fun with that. And finally, the last episode will be the Archive Readings, I no longer am doing fan memories because I don't have Usenet or Dugpa Forum stuff that I had already rounded up. Uh, the reactions to this are so numerous and scattered I couldn't really go there. Same thing with press uh, coverage as well. So there won't be the same roundup of media material. Uh, what I will be reading is my own previous work on the show. Usually from the viewing diary I was keeping week to week as the episode was airing, offering my first thoughts. On the show, and also sometimes clips from video essays that I made for Journey Through Twin Peaks, and maybe interviews that I did with other podcasts or on other sites as well. So I'll have my personal archive of material to end these uh, weeks of podcasts, but will not have uh, other archive stuff. But of course, you're also welcome to write in your thoughts on any of these shows, and if you do that while these episodes are being published for the first time for the public, uh, I will add that listener feedback into the mix. So. Uh, please do so if if you're interested in giving feedback. If it's spoilery, I'll save it for spoiler episodes later. But if you're just talking about what happens up to this point in the show, I'll share it right on the podcast in the mix. So uh, please keep that in mind. So these episodes, of course, for the public will be divided into daily episodes. Uh, Probably uh, Saturday will generally be that setup, talking about the feel and structure of the show. Then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday on different story sections that I'll divide up so that they're roughly even. Wednesday, as before, will be the current events. Thursday will be in the weeds with the characters and also now the uh, structure, like figuring out the order, the timeline of events. And then Fridays for the archive. And also again, a preview of the next episode at the very end. The only part of any of this that's at all spoilery where I play the first minute from the upcoming episode, with due warning beforehand, of course, to segue into Saturday when it all cycles through again. And of course, there are always illustrated companions to go with all of this. Just a long uh, post full of screenshots, listings for time codes that everything appears, but also, like, the rankings of the characters. It's a great visual companion, I think, especially for the In the Weeds material and the Historical Context Current Events material, where you can just look at a visual of what I'm talking about very... Uh, interesting and helpful i think so so that's where it stands as you can see it largely overlaps with the lost in twin peaks format but there are some differences there are some absences so let's move forward now to talk about parts one and two let's talk about laura palmer in this episode she's in the opening sequence in a big way they show a scene from episode 29 the finale where she tells cooper that he'll see him again in 25 years and that was obviously the hook into this series Lynch and Frost had forgotten about that line, and when they rewatched the finale, they were so taken with it, they're like, "We gotta put that in here somehow." Uh, She's pretty prominent in the flashback that follows this sequence, where you have uh, the shot of the hallway, where you know that we saw in the pilot after she was her her death was announced. We see the girl running through the uh, the the green in the center of the high school in slow motion, and we slowly close in on Laura's portrait in the glass display case at the school and Twin Peaks the title comes over that photo which is very remarkable that's Lynch saying right at the outset listen Laura is still the center of this even though you're not going to see that much of her. just remember she's always the key to all of this inside the red room we get Laura of course talking to Cooper that whole extended sequence but we also have find Laura and finally as I said earlier Hawk reopens the case so Even if we're not seeing some bizarre incarnation of Lara, we're going to be dealing with her tragedy and the way it affected this town. So even though we've moved very far away from the premise of the pilot, this very contained look at the self-enclosed world there, everything circled around the death of Lara Palmer, we've gone a long way from there, but Lynch wants us to remember that, you know, Lara is still the one. The feel of these particular episodes, and I'll kind of describe them as one episode because they were... uh, sort of pushed together as one two-hour premiere when it aired a year ago. It's very cold and kind of staccato in that the scenes often don't seem to have much relation to each other. It's just like, when well, we were in New York, then we we're in Twin Peaks, then we we're in South Dakota. I think it coalesces more as it goes along. It sort of finds a rhythm. It begins with the fireman saying to Cooper, you are far away now. And that's kind of appropriate because... It does feel initially like we're really far from the original Twin Peaks and lost in this universe. Like, whoa, what are we doing in a skyscraper with this young couple that has nothing to do with anything we've ever seen before? And, you know, Cooper's barely in that first episode. But then uh, as, as part two unfolds, Cooper becomes much more of a big part of it. So that pretty much describes the overall structure of this two-hour premiere, we begin with these disparate locations and then we coalesce into uh, finally a sequence that really feels very Twin Peaks at the Roadhouse. where We're seeing old characters and it's sort of almost a nostalgia fest. And we get there from starting very far away uh, with these you know, characters and storylines that we, that we don't recognize at all. These two episodes can actually be kind of distinguished from each other. I, I, I think it's worth treating them together, which is why I'm doing so. But there are differences between them. Uh, in the first episode, for example, from in part one, Cooper barely appears at all. And when he does appear, you know, he's uh, I think one scene is Mister F- Mister C, the evil doppelganger, and one scene as the Cooper we know and love. I guess two scenes if you count the opening intro, which is just footage from the old series. But, you know, I'm referring to uh, the sequence after that, where he appears in black and white in the uh, uh, fireman, you know, slash giant's home or whatever it is. And uh, we don't even know when this takes place. Does this take place after season, uh, most of season three? Does it take place before? It's it's very ambiguous. And, uh, you know, that's the only glimpse we get of. The Cooper who was in every episode of, you know, Twin Peaks season one and two. So this is just a very purposefully alienating episode in a lot of ways. It's dominated by unfamiliar characters and locations. Uh, The Twin Peaks stuff we do see seems kind of random, almost like uh, thrown in, tossed in fan service, you know, like, oh, here's Ben and Jerry. Okay, let's get back to New York. You know, it's, it's, it's just very strange. And then the first half of part one is very centered on New York and the second half of part one is very centered on South Dakota. So if anything kind of coalesces the, so, so if anything gives that episode an anchor, it's New York in the first half and South Dakota in the second, two locations that just are, you know, have nothing to do with the Twin Peaks we've known before. After that, the two Coopers, the good and the bad dominate part two, and they're very purposefully juxtaposed contrasted with each other in those in that in that episode there's actually a scene where they kind of the camera closes in on cooper's face and then we cut to mr c for a long time and then it returns the shot of cooper's face like he's seeing what his bad half is doing or something like that there's a lot of time spent in the red room and it's interesting to remember that parts one and two according to frost were what they wrote before anything else. So like, it wasn't like they outlined the whole, you know, to my understanding, it wasn't like they outlined the whole series in great detail, and then just, you know, wrote it out part by part. They created this two-hour premiere almost as its own thing. There's a lot of history here, which I've covered extensively elsewhere. Indeed, the longest part of my Journey Through Twin Peaks video series just deals with the elements that led to season three, both before and after the original series. Briefly, though... In 1993, it looked like there would never, ever, ever be another shred of new Twin Peaks. The show had been cancelled and was not remembered all that fondly, except for that initial burst of trendiness in 1990, which was remembered as a fun fad and little more. A fan community would remain behind, cherishing the show through numerous homespun festivals and the equally homemade magazine wrapped in plastic, which kept the cult going through the 90s and early zeros. I've described 2006 as the nadir of Twin Peaks, Wrapped in Plastic folded a year earlier, and it had been five years since the last DVD release, which only featured the non-pilot episodes of Season 1. Most of the show was unavailable on disc and scattered even on VHS. And Lynch and Frost had drifted so far apart creatively, as their most uh, recent projects at that time showed an extremely avant-garde three-hour digital experiment in Lynch's case, and a superhero film written for hire in Frost's case. That's Inland Empire and Fantastic Four. Nonetheless, this was the beginning of a return to Twin Peaks, and perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. The 2000s were a cable renaissance, with shows like The Sopranos, Six Feet Under, Deadwood, and eventually Mad Men and Breaking Bad striking out in bold new directions for the medium of TV. Even network fare like Lost and Veronica Mars told creative ongoing stories, And many of these shows, often quite explicitly, owed a huge debt to Twin Peaks. What had once been seen as an aberration looked increasingly like a fountainhead. No wonder, then, that when a corporate split between CBS and Viacom had executives reaching back into their vaults, Twin Peaks was able to stage a comeback. First with the lavish gold box DVD set, and then especially with a streaming debut around the turn of the decade. The boomer Gen X experience began to take on new life as a millennial touchstone. Meanwhile, Frost came to Lynch with a single spare yet deeply intriguing concept, which we'll have to discuss later since it hasn't come up yet, and this finally got the ball rolling on something that Lynch himself once described as dead as a doornail. Twin Peaks The Return, or the Showtime Limited series, or Season 3, or whatever you want to call it, was initiated in 2012. In 2014, the announcement was made that the show would be coming back, and then around Easter 2015, Lynch walked off the project, frustrated that his proposed budget was rejected by cable executives who didn't understand how he was going to work. After a fan outcry, a Twin Peaks Without David Lynch campaign, orchestrated by the actors, and weeks of negotiations with Showtime, the parties finally came to a satisfactory agreement, and Lynch returned to the project. Production began in the Snoqualmie, North Bend area, in the fall of 2015, 24 years exactly after Fire Walk With Me touched base with the region. Once again, Lynch was immersing his collaborators in this atmosphere before they would retreat to Los Angeles, and in this case, a few other locations as well, to disappear inside the illusionistic sets for months on end. For the most part, this new Twin Peaks wasn't composed like the original series. The original series was essentially made up as it went along, shot in episodic units with different writers and directors. This is particularly true of the second season. By contrast, though, on the third season, Lingent Frost had years to work on it, before a single second was shot, let alone aired, and it was completely finished long before the Showtime premiere. As such, we're going to discuss the production only once— here with this episode, or these two episodes, since there is no real way of distinguishing the creation of the parts from one another. Despite this overall difference, there are some hints that aspects of Season 3 do overlap with that earlier process. Frost has said that he and Lynch spent a year just talking about ideas, another year writing just the first couple hours, and then another year, in part it seems, after Showtime approved the series, working on everything else. This resembles how they carefully composed the pilot of the original series and then had to quickly assemble the first season, and even more so the second. If you look closely, I think certain plot elements in season three feel like they are being planted in an open-ended fashion, as if the creators don't quite know where they will lead. Only to be closed off or explained a little more abruptly later on, though I'll leave that vague for now to avoid spoilers. We'll discuss these moments as they come. Lynch also likes to retain some element of spontaneity, so he ended up adding or rewriting many scenes along the way, sometimes due to necessity, sometimes just due to inspiration. He would run the new pages by Frost out of courtesy, but this definitely called back to his earlier on-set improvisations in the original series, like Audrey's dance, or Bob crawling into the lens of the camera, or the entire crazy Red Room sequence in the finale. Nonetheless, the last scene of the entire series was shot just weeks into a production that spanned over half a year, so the narrative of Twin Peaks just doesn't seem to have evolved on set the way that the first 30 episodes did. Or, for that matter, even the way Firewalk With Me did, in which the train car climax was the last thing they filmed. As for post-production, here the new season definitely broke new ground. The entire project was scripted without distinct episode breaks, so decisions had to be made after the fact by Lynch and editor Dwayne Dunham, returning to the cutting room for the first time since the season 2 premiere after 25 years, as uh, that Dwayne Dunham was just directing, not editing at all. Using color-coded note cards to keep track of who and what were featured in each unit and trying to keep a good balance while keeping a consistent pace and sense of punctuation, Lynch and Dunham slowly divided this mass of footage into individual pieces. And I think many of these episodes do have a surprising amount of individual cohesion, although this approach led to some continuity questions, which we'll get to including a bit in this episode where I attempt to determine the chronology of events. It's not always the same as the order that we see them in. That concludes today's episode. Tomorrow we will begin the story coverage of what's in part one and two. And uh, for that particular, for this particular episode, that means we'll talk about New York. We'll talk about uh, South Dakota, all of the stuff with uh, Hastings and that strange murder. And uh, maybe I- trying to think I, I don't think there's any other sort of random locations um the vegas stuff we'll cover later um alongside mr c uh for you know not because it's connected to mr c but because that's where i want that story section uh it may be connected to mr c but we don't know yet and then uh, Twin Peaks after that. But tomorrow, Monday, South Dakota and New York for sure. So see you then. Oh, and of course, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Always appreciate the uh, support there. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. See you tomorrow.